Matthew 17. I've enjoyed being in the house of God today with you. It's been a wonderful, wonderful day, and I appreciate you. Matthew 17. Holy Spirit met with us today. Amen. And we had a great, great time in his house. And uh, folks uh, meeting with God and getting right with God and folks getting saved and hallelujah. Amen. And appreciate you being back tonight. Hallelujah. Matthew 17. This is uh, the Mount of Transfiguration. This is where uh, God teaches us and, and tells us about what took place on that mount. And uh, three of the Gospels speak of it. We'll stay here in Matthew for the time being. Uh, but Matthew chapter 17. Let's just read it together, please. And uh, well, I'll read and you can follow there. Verse 1 says, And after six days Jesus taketh Peter, James, and John, his brother, and bringeth them up into a high mountain apart, and was transfigured before them, and his face did shine as the sun, and his raiment was white as the light. And behold, there appeared unto them Moses and Elias talking with him. That's Elijah. That's the Greek way of saying Elijah there. Elias, Moses and Elias talking with him. Then answered Peter and said unto Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If thou wilt, let us make here three tabernacles, one for thee, one for Moses, and one for Elias. When he yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and behold, a voice out of the cloud which said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their face and were sore afraid. And Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise, and be not afraid. And when they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no man save Jesus only. Holy Spirit of God, we ask you one more time to meet with us. Do what you see right, Lord, with this passage tonight. That, Lord, you just set me aside. You'd preach your word the way you want it preached. And, God, you'd give application there in the way you want. In Jesus' name, amen. The Mount of Transfiguration. Here we have three men that go with Jesus up on a mount. Say, why these three, Pastor? That's a great question, isn't it? We see Peter, James, and John oftentimes being called uh, apart or, or, or for a time to meet with the Lord alone or to have a little bit closer of a relationship or do something more specific. We see that. And uh, I don't have the exact answer. God didn't tell us the exact answer why these three. But here's what we know. We know we see them later in uh, the Garden of Gethsemane with Jesus. And uh, he, tells, he tells the rest to, to wait and he takes three and he keeps going a little further. And then he tells them to pray, and he keeps going and goes a little farther than that. We see these three will have later a very big part in the, in the first church there in Jerusalem, that, uh, that church there that uh, they began there, and that Jesus started with them. And then, of course, he ascended and uh, did some great things there in Jerusalem. We'll see they'll have a big part in that. We'll see that three of these, these three men, exactly, will all suffer some big, uh, a big cost for serving the Lord Jesus Christ. James, in fact, was killed. I believe James to be the pastor there of the church of Jerusalem. And it looks that way when we read the book of Acts. And the Bible says that Herod killed him with a sword. And, uh, and then uh, we know that uh, Peter also died uh, by the hand of others. And then John, of course, was, at, was uh, the history teaches that he was put in, uh, in a, a bowling pot of oil, I believe, if I'm not mistaken there. And, of course, he was exiled uh, to the Isle of Patmos. 
But these three men were dedicated to their service to the Lord. And uh, we see, of course, at least John and Peter following Christ after he's arrested. And uh, we see Peter, remember he was hiding for a while and, and uh, he was hiding behind there and he'd sneak in there and then the lady let him in by the fire and all of that. And the Bible says in John 18 that there was another disciple there as well. And I believe that to be the Apostle John there. And so uh, these men were dedicated and they were, uh, they were uh, just all, they were all in for Jesus Christ. And I believe uh, he, he rewards them. I think exactly what we were talking about this morning where if you draw nigh unto the Lord, He'll draw nigh unto you. And I think He's rewarding these three and, and helping them to grow even closer during this time. And so He goes up on this, on this mount, and again we ask questions. Lord, why, why did you be, why were you transfigured at this point? Why, Lord, did you get seen in your glory up on this mount? Why did you let these three men see it? And all of those things. There's lots of possibilities. God doesn't explain it all to us, but we can understand as we think about Scripture and we ask the Holy Spirit uh, to reveal these things, and uh, perhaps God was giving Jesus some refreshment. Very possible. He's been on earth for 30-some years. He's about uh, to, uh, to take the cross. Maybe He's giving Him some refreshment, reminding Him of the glory that's His before He takes the cross. Maybe, perhaps, it was all for those three men to see the glory of God and to see Him in His revelation of that glory because of what they were going to do in the future, in the near future. really wasn't long. And this being Matthew 17, of course, and so we know that the cross is coming, and it's coming soon. But here we see, as, the, as that first verse says, Peter, James, and John his brother, and bringeth them up into a high mountain apart. Now where is that high mountain at? Where's that at? I used to think this was Mount Tabor. Um, Mount, uh, I had it written, actually, and this, uh, this is a fairly new Bible uh, that was given to me, and I, I appreciate it. Uh, I like this Schofield reference. It's a wide margin, and I'm able to make more notes than I did in my last one. And the last one I had written there, Mount Tabor, and I had a question mark. Like, I, I think this might be the place that, that God had them. Mount Tabor is in the, the, is in the Galilee region, and uh, there's, plain, there's a plain around it, and it's, it literally is a mountain that stands by itself. It's a, a hill just right here. It's not, in a, it's not in a mountain range. It stands all by itself. And so I began to think about that. I heard somebody told me that one time, and I had nothing to tell me otherwise until I began to study it even more. And I don't believe it's Mount Tabor. I, uh, I began, others would believe it would be Mount Hermon. And maybe you don't know the mountains of Israel, but I'll help you here. Mount Hermon is far to the north. Mount Hermon is actually the, the mountain that God speaks of in the Psalms, where it says the dew of Mount Hermon. It's, uh, it says that brethren ought to dwell together uh, in, uh, in unity. It's sweet like the dew of Hermon. And Hermon is where the waters begin that start the Jordan River, way to the north. This would be north of the Sea of Galilee, far to the north. It's still in the, the region of, of Israel. Uh, and, and so as I began to study it a little bit more, I began to realize they would just come out in Matthew 16. They're in a place called Caesarea Philippi. This would be the place you Bible students would know. That Jesus said, Peter, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Right? 
The Bible says he was in a place called the uh, Caesarea Philippi. And that place is also in the north. And that place is up against the mountains. In fact, I've actually been there in Caesarea Philippi. I, I remember seeing this big rock face of a mountain. It's like a big boulder sticking out of the ground. And uh, when Jesus said that to Peter, he looks at Peter and he says, Thou art Peter, which is, I think, Petros, if I'm not mistaken, a Greek word that means a pebble or a small rock. And then he's looking at this massive rock here. He's using a visual illustration with them. And he says, uh, but, but upon this rock, Petra, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Let's just stop for a minute and remember that Peter was not the first pope. That the church is not built on him. It's built on Jesus Christ, that great cornerstone that God set apart for, for that reason. He started the church. He died for the church. He rose again for the church. He's the head of the church, Colossians chapter 1. Amen? And so they're in Caesarea Philippi, it's to the north. And uh, Hermon also to the north, Mount Hermon. And uh, as I began to study this, I believe I don't see anywhere where he travels until halfway through, maybe towards the end of chapter 17. And so when I, when I consider Mount Hermon, it is very, very tall, and it's tall enough that it often is snow-covered. And uh, in, in the book of Mark, chapter 9, when he's speaking of the Mount of Transfiguration, he mentions snow, white as snow, when Jesus is transfigured. And it's perhaps because they might even be standing among the snow on Mount Hermon. It's very possible. And uh, just looking at some details here as I teach you some of the Word as well as preach to you tonight. Verse 2 says, And was transfigured before them, and his face did shine as the sun, and his raiment was white as light. Transfigured. What does that mean to you? When I, when I look up this word transfigured, it doesn't mean to change substance, but it means to change in appearance or form. Hey, let's understand that. Let's, let's think about some doctrine. Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. He is the God-man. He, um, uh, he was God who became flesh to save his people from their sins, Matthew chapter 1, right? He is the God-man, and Jesus Christ has always been God. He did not begin in Bethlehem when he was born. Amen? Amen? He has always been God. My Bible teaches me that it was actually Jesus Christ who was the active member during creation. Amen. Right? John chapter 1 says that. Colossians chapter 1 says that. Hebrews chapter 1 says that. That Jesus was the one that spoke things into existence. It was by his son, it says. And so Jesus Christ has always been God. He's always had that glory of God. And here in verse 2, transfigures himself. In other words, reveals his glory. He changes uh, the, the image there, the, the form that he has, where Philippians chapter 1 says he came as a servant, right? He came in, in fleshly being and he let those men see him in his glory. Can you imagine that sight? Consider that for a minute. Would you keep your finger here and flip over to Revelation chapter 1? Revelation chapter 1. Maybe you know where I'm headed here. Revelation chapter 1. He allows John to have an image of that as he begins to give him the message for the book, this revelation that he gives to John. In chapter 1 of Revelation, he says in verse number 13, 
Well, let's begin in verse 12. He says, And I turned to see the voice that spake with me, and being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks, and in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot, and girt about with girt about the paps with a golden girdle. Verse 14, His head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire, and his feet like unto fine brass, as if they burned in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. And he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was like was as the sun shineth in his strength. Amen? That's my Jesus. When he comes again, Revelation 19, right? He's, uh, he's uh, shining bright. He's got that, that white robe on on a white horse. Amen? And we follow him just like that. Hallelujah. Front row seats to what he's going to do at Armageddon. I'm looking forward to that. Here Jesus transfigures himself on this mount so they can see him in his glory so that God allowed this to happen here for perhaps for the Lord and perhaps for these men. Notice here verse 3. And behold, there appeared unto them Moses and Elias talking with them. It's interesting here. We're talking about Moses and Elijah. Both uh, great men of old, uh, men that, uh, the, that these Jews, Peter, James, and John, would look back to. Uh, ancestors, men of the faith. Moses, obviously, the man that God allowed to give the law to and then would teach the people. A great, great uh, influential ancestor and leader of the Jews here. Elijah, a great prophet of God. There's not too many men that called down fire from heaven. Amen? Amen. Another great sight. Wouldn't that be neat to see? See, those, those prophets of Baal and they all day long, they're cutting themselves and they're crying unto Baal and trying to get uh, that same thing to happen from a dead God. And Elijah says, hey, why don't you just stand back a second and let's watch God work here. And he dumps all that water on that sacrifice and, of course, calls down fire from heaven. Praise God for that. Amen. And so Moses and Elijah here, but why? One theory, perhaps, because it's a representation of things to come. Consider this for a minute. Here's a good picture that God might be trying to teach us here. If you consider Jesus in his glory, obviously when he was here before, he wasn't in his glory. Okay? We will see him one day again in his glory when he comes to get us at the rapture. We'll see him again in his glory during the, uh, during the millennial reign. When, when he rules and reigns for a thousand years on his throne in Jerusalem and we get to rule and reign with him, we'll see him in his glory. I believe this passage here is pointing to that time of the millennial kingdom and giving a picture of what is to come. Jesus giving a little bit of prophecy through this. And we see Jesus in his glory and we see Moses. Moses perhaps here representing the people who have died in their faith. Yes? When, when the Bible says that Jesus comes again to get us, the dead in Christ shall rise first. Amen? Amen? That's going to be another pretty neat see, sight to see, isn't it? Well, I mean, I'd like to go into rapture. I, don't, I mean, if he wants me to die first, that'd be all right. But I'd like to go into rapture. It'd be kind of neat. Can you imagine? I mean, it's going to happen in the twinkling of an eye, but I mean, we're still going to be here, so I, I don't know. We'll see. Maybe we'll be on property here during church, right? And the mausoleum just starts shaking. I don't know. But it'd be kind of neat, wouldn't it? I don't know about you. I like to be visual. I like to think through these things. All right? Amen. 
I'm, I'm wondering about all those folks that are cremated. You know, like all the pieces are going to come out of the Potomac River or something, <laughs> form together. I don't know how that's going to work. I just know God said it, the dead in Christ shall rise first. Amen? And then, then we that are alive and remain shall be caught up together with him in the clouds. Amen? Hallelujah. Whew. Get a little excited about what's to come. Amen? I wasn't even going to preach about end times, but hey, come on. But here, he, I believe Moses representing the people that have died. Moses obviously died. He went up on the mount. God said, you're going to die, and God buried him. Elijah did not die, did he? He didn't. In fact, God took him, right? God said, I'm going to take you. He brought down that, that chariot and took him home. Chariot of fire, right? In the, in the millennial kingdom, will there be people there that died that God rose again? Yes, there will be. Will there be people there that, die, that didn't die, but he took them? Yes, there will be. And there's a representation here. Then there's Peter, James, and John. Jews here that are at the Mount of Transfiguration as a picture of Israel in that day. Sometimes we forget about, but during when Jesus comes back in Armageddon, Armageddon's already taken place. He comes back, steps on the Mount of Olives, splits it in two and says, I'm the Christ, the one that you rejected. I've come to save you. Remember that? And he saves the Jews physically from that at that time. And, it's, and, and lets them enter into the millennial kingdom. I believe that's who Peter, James, and John are representing here. Remember, during the millennial kingdom, there will be people that are unsaved. The Bible says the devil will come back after a thousand years. He's, re, he, he's released, and he comes, and he deceives the four corners of the earth. Right? Are we, are we Bible students here tonight? Are we, are we reading our Bible, Revelation chapter 20? Do we know what we're talking about? Come on now. And... Uh, I'm just trying to allow the Holy Spirit to feed us a little bit tonight, all right? Get a little, get a little feed, food from the Word of God tonight, amen? And so I believe he's representing some things here. I don't see any other purpose for why he would bring Moses and Elijah. But they're talking together. The, the different passages, the parallel passages in the, in the Gospels here uh, say that they're talking. Well, it says right here in our Scripture, verse 3, that Eli Moses and Elias are talking with him. What do you think they were talking about? That's an interesting thought right there. What do you think they were talking about? Think they were talking about the millennial kingdom like we just were? Think they were talking about what Jesus is about to do? He's now, he's revealed that he's going to go to the cross to his disciples and they didn't want to hear it. He says, there's coming, there's coming a time real soon where the Son of Man is going to be lifted up before you. Like Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness. And he tells them that. And Peter says, no, no, Lord, I don't want that to happen. Remember? That's when he said, get behind me, Satan. You're, you're thinking like a man. You're not thinking like the things of God. And uh, he, he goes on here. Verse 4, then answered Peter and said unto Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If thou wilt, let us make here three tabernacles, one for thee, one for Moses, and one for Elias. Let this be a warning here. He gets a little distracted. Peter does. He gets a little off track here. Here is Jesus in his glory, shining bright as the sun, white, his, his garments white as snow. And here Moses and Elijah are there. I'm not sure how they recognized him. It doesn't say, but they did recognize him. Okay. Was it Charleston Heston, you know, holding the... I don't know, 
right? I, don't, I have no idea. We're getting to an age where I'm going to have to start explaining that because the kids haven't seen that, all right? It was 1950s right there, okay? I think I watched it 100 times before I turned the age of seven, but, you know, that was just because people made me. Amen. All right. But Charleston Heston, right? And Moses. Uh, but here they're, they're there. P Peter gets a little distracted. Jesus in his glory. And he says, oh, blah, blah. he didn't know what to say. G Peter was always talking before he thought, wasn't he? He's always putting his foot in his mouth. Anybody else like that tonight? Sometimes me? Yeah, your preacher? Yeah, always doing that, right? I love that, Tom. You come in and you just raise your hand. You don't even know what I said. That's awesome. I love it. All right. And uh, Peter, he's, he's uh, be, 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 be. Well, well, Lord, oh, 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 I, I, build, I build a tabernacle. I'll build a, a, an altar here for you. And I'll build one for Moses. And I'll build, I'll build one for Elijah. And, and, and he's just talking and getting excited. Do you see what God does? Look, look at what he does. Look what he does. Verse number 5 here. And while he yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And behold, a voice out of the cloud which said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. You catch that? Mo, uh, Peter here is getting distracted. See, the Jews were, were big time on their ancestors. They were big time on, their, on those that came before them. Moses and the prophets, they were important. Jesus said, uh, uh, I believe when, when, excuse me, in Luke chapter 16, he was, he was talking about the rich man and Lazarus. Remember that? And, and the rich man's begging, why don't you send Lazarus back from the dead and my brothers will get saved. And, and, and Abraham says, if Moses and the prophets went, they wouldn't believe him, believe them, right? And so... No, excuse me, excuse me, I said that wrong. He said, if, you did, if they didn't believe Moses and the prophets, they won't believe one raised from the dead. Right? Remember that? And so Moses and the prophets were important to them. And Peter here and James and John looking at these prophets and, and they're getting distracted. And I think what God did was that here he meant, to, he meant to paint a picture for them and he meant to encourage them and excite them a little bit, but they got off track and got distracted about the one right in front of them who's shining bright as the sun. You with me? Sometimes we get distracted, don't we? Sometimes we get busy doing the work of the ministry and we forget the one who we're serving. You with me? A preacher can do that, can't we? Yeah, we can. Because we're busy trying to get everything worked out, trying to get it all figured out, right? I think about these men who, who up here on the platform, they handle a lot of different details. And they got, well, this, this ministry over here, they got to make sure somebody's covering that. And they got this ministry over here, they got to make sure somebody's covering that. And this ministry over here, I got to make sure I got a bus driver and I got a bus captain for each bus. And I got to make sure I have a junior church worker over here and all this stuff, right? We get busy in the work of the ministry and it is easy to get distracted from the one we're serving. I'm telling you, I've done it before. And so have you. Because we, e we easily get distracted on the work of our hands. Be careful in that. Heard about missionaries. They're out serving Jesus Christ, winning people, winning people to the Lord, and, and seeing them get baptized and churches started and all this. And they really have no relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because they're distracted with the ministry at hand and they forget about the one they're serving. Peter here, he meant good. He had good intentions, did he not? Lord, I want to serve you. I want to worship you. I want to build a tabernacle for you. It's a good thing to give respect 
to our elders and to those that have come before us. You understand we have some deacons in this church and we've got some older men in this church that we show respect to. Amen? Amen, Amen that's right. We've got some, some folks like the Jones right down here and I was having fun letting him sing tonight. That was wonderful. Thank you for having a part in that. He's been in this church for a real long time. Very, very long time, right? Yes? Okay, all right, good. And, and it ought, he ought to have some respect because of it. Amen? I look at a, I look at a Brother Roach or uh, uh, brother, brother Shank or, or, or whoever it might be, some of these deacons around here, Brother Marion, and I, I look at these men that have done it a, long, long, a lot longer than I have. And I ought to be able to go to them and with respect say, teach me. Teach me. How did you do this? And when you hit this, this milestone in your life, what would you do here? And show me and teach me. Help me to be the man that I want to be. I want to be like you. I tease them all the time. I say, I want to be like you when I grow up. Right? He, they had good intentions. They had good intentions. Peter, Lord, let me set up a tabernacle for you and for Moses and for Elijah. And God said, you've missed the whole picture. He brings this big, this big cloud down, overshadows them. Can you imagine all of a sudden in the mix of this big old fog, this big cloud, where, they, where they're having trouble seeing now, and, and, and Moses and Elijah are taken out of sight. And then there's, I believe there's a bright cloud. Is, it, is that what the Bible says? Verse 5, while he yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. First of all, what was the reason for the cloud? Who's the only one missing here? We have... We have Jesus, he's in his glory, and we have the Father speaking from heaven. Who's missing? The Holy Spirit of God. I think that's why the cloud came. It's the presence of God in that place, amen? Now, Jesus was already there, but we see here the Trinity, and I believe he, the Holy Spirit of God coming down, and it's a bright cloud. It's that Shekinah glory of God, amen? That Shekinah glory, his presence being seen there, and it overshadowed them, and behold, a voice out of the cloud which said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. You know what God's saying there? Quit getting distracted. I know you mean well, Peter. James and John, I know you meant well. But look at Jesus because he's my son in whom I'm well pleased. He's the one you need to look to. He's the one when you get a little tough. Peter, when you get locked up in prison, yeah, and they killed James, and, and Peter, you're worrying about your life. You need to look to Jesus. Not Moses, and not Elijah, but it's Jesus Christ. Amen? And he's teaching them that it's his son. Don't get distracted in the things of ministry here. Find it interesting that Peter learns. He learns. He grows from this. Would you, would you keep your finger here, and would you turn to 2 Peter chapter 1? 2 Peter chapter 1. Peter, obviously, we see him oftentimes responding in the flesh or just not knowing what to say and saying something because he feels like he needs to, and he sticks his foot in his mouth and all these things, right? And we see that often when he's, he, he's young in the faith, he's not learned. He's not, he's not uh, uh, an aged man yet in the faith here uh, and, uh, and not developed, not growing in Christ as Christ would want him to yet. But later he is. Look when he writes this letter. And this is 2 Peter chapter 1. Look at here verse number, well, let's go back to verse 16. Verse 16. For we have not, this is 2 Peter 
Chapter 1, verse 16. For we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. What's he talking about there? He's talking about his glory. Verse 17. For he received from God the Father honor and glory. When there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. He's talking about that mount right there. He said, I was there. I saw this. I saw him in his glory. I heard the father speak. Verse 18. And this voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with him in the holy mount. We, all, we have also, watch this now. This is amazing here. Verse 19. We have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto ye do well that ye take heed, and unto a light that shineth as unto a light that shineth in a dark place, until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. And then what's he go on to, to talk about? He goes on to talk about the word of God, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but the holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. You catch the context there of what he's saying? He says, I was on that mount when Jesus was transfigured. I saw him in his glory. He said, I heard the voice of the Father come from heaven, that heavenly voice. I heard it. And he says, I'm telling you right here, we have a more sure word of prophecy right here. That's what he's saying right there. He says, more than the voice that I heard from heaven, the Bible is important for you. That's what he's saying. He said, I once was distracted. I once didn't understand all that. I once was looking at Moses and looking at Elijah, but I realized that it's not about them, it's about the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the living Word of God, and right here is the written Word of God, and we have a more sure word of prophecy than even that voice that I heard from heaven. That's what he's saying. Praise God for that. Maybe it would be wise of us to take heed to that. Then he tell, Peter said right there, he said, take heed. Take heed. Wake up. Let's not forget that we have something even more wonderful and, and miraculous and, ma and thing. A, a, a word of prophecy greater than the voice of God the Father. Amen. That's not blasphemous. That's the word of God, and he's raising it above his own voice. That's okay. Amen? Amen. I got a couple of you. Come on now. I'm, I'm, I'm teaching you here some Bible doctrine. It's okay. This is of God right here. Not one of these words is on accident. Not one of these words is by mistake. Don't listen to those people that are too smart for their own good. They get on here and they say, well, uh, yeah, but the King James and, and uh, you know, they, well, there's, it could have been said better. No, it couldn't have been. God gave us his translation into English for us in the King James Version, word for word. And that's the Bible we stand on. We don't, have time, we don't have no time for these other versions that say, well, I'm going to take thought for thought. No, because my thoughts are not his thoughts. And my ways are not his ways, Isaiah said. Amen. Amen. More sure word of prophecy. Back in our scripture here is Matthew 17. He says in verse 6, And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their face and were sore afraid. Who else fell on their face when... 
when uh, they saw the glory of God. Isaiah did, didn't he? Fell on his face. He said, I, I, I'm a man of unclean lips. I shouldn't, I shouldn't be here. I know who I am. I'm a sinner. Verse 7, And Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise and be not afraid. And when they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no man save Jesus only. Isn't that awesome that even when we fear, we, we mess up, we say the wrong thing, we stumble, we have good intentions, but sometimes we mess it up. Sometimes we get distracted. You understand what I'm saying here? Sometimes we fuss over some dumb stuff. Yeah, I'm talking about even in a great church like this, we fuss over some dumb stuff, don't we? We get, we get hooked on traditions and things, and we get off track. I'm talking about silly things. All right? I, don't want to be, I know some of you um, uh, love certain images in the church and certain things that are up, and they've been there for 119 years. I don't know how long they've been up, but I'm just saying that, right? Okay? Let's be cautious. Let me, let me say, just for an example, not trying to hurt anybody's feelings here, I'm just preaching for a minute, all right? That cross right there, that's a great thing. It's a great representation of what Jesus Christ did for us. But I don't worship that cross. That cross is not, a, not something to worship. It's the Lord Jesus Christ that we worship. Amen? Hallelujah. I'm telling you what, people in this world get distracted and they get off track with that thing. And they have crosses hanging around their neck and they got to kiss them every time they pray and they got to jingle them and, and they got to do this and they got beads on over here and they got to count them and they got to do all this nonsense. I think I told you this before. I was in Israel once and I watched a woman bow down and kiss the rock that John the Baptist was born on. Wait, who would be born on a rock? What mother wants to do that? I don't know. But this is the rock that they say John the Baptist was born here and I saw a woman kissing down and praying to it. I'm telling you what, she was distracted. Because that's not Jesus. And we worship things on this world, things, temporal things that we can see instead of worshiping the one true God. I know this church has been here a long time and that balcony and that, that impression on that balcony and these chandeliers have been here a long time. But you know what? There's coming a day where we're going to have to take these chandeliers out of here. For some reason, <gasps> church, you with me tonight? We don't worship chandeliers. The church is the people. And be careful before we start bickering and fussing over what color the paint's on the wall. Amen? There might come a day we've got to replace them, them windows. Those are pretty windows. I like them. But you know what? We, we play ball around here. And one day a ball is going to go through that window, I'm sure. Or something. I hear people are going to be hunting geese real soon. And there might be a goose that flies across the front of the church on the north side. All of a sudden you see small game shot holes right through there and it shatters it or something. I'm going to tell you what, since I've been pastoring here, I've seen, a, I've seen a gun shot off in this auditorium twice. It's just by convenience, that's all. We had, we had, um, we had a balloon on the, window, or on the ceiling. And I was thinking, that's really high up there. I got my knife out. I was like, yeah. And somebody said, I got a gun in my office. I said, let's do it. <laughs> Amen? Amen? Hear the BB bouncing off the ceiling and ding, 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 ding. Mrs. Williams going, why do I have marks in the piano? I don't know. But 
Praise God. Hey, listen here. We don't worship the temporal things of this world. Let's be cautious with that. Amen? So, so your bus that you've driven for 100 years, and, and so it's time to, to, to move from that and go to a van. It's wheels on the ground, amen? amen. So, so our track changes color and, and gets a little bigger. Praise God, it's still got the gospel on it. We don't worship temporal things of this world. We worship Christ. Amen? Praise God. Hallelujah. Maybe someday we'll put an escalator right here in the middle going up to the balcony. So people in the balcony come down to the altar and get saved. Amen? Amen. Don't bow down and worship it. Though it would be a wonderful thing. Amen? How about just a pillow? They can jump off the ledge and just hit the pillow and come onto the altar. I don't know. But let's not get distracted, folks, okay? Let's not get distracted. Let's serve the one in whom we're supposed to be serving. That's the point here. That's what he's drawing out of this, this text here tonight for us. Because too often we can, we can be divisive among us, bickering over some silly things that we have no business fussing over. God gives leadership for a reason. And I, as your pastor, have to make some decisions that you might not agree with. But it's wrong of me to make those decisions in haste and fly off the handle with them. I need to go to the deacons and check some things sometimes. Why? Because they've been here a lot longer than I have, and i got to check some things. It's okay of me to go to a, a, a man or a couple in the church and just ask a few questions. Hey, how did you do this 10 years ago? Why? Because I might learn something. And let's not us get stuck in our pride and start worshiping the things we see and forget about the one that we're supposed to be worshiping. Amen? Thank you, church. Some, some scripture tonight that we can learn from, get fed from the Word of God, and remember a, a very important part here, a very important application. Let's remember the one we worship. Let's remember the one we worship. And, and let's, let's remember what He gave us to help us worship Him. Right? A more sure word of prophecy. A more sure word. It's time we get in it. Amen? It's time we get in it. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word tonight. Thank you for the scripture that you've given us. Thank you for the Mount of Transfiguration that you've taught us from tonight. Lord, thank you for these great people, this wonderful church. And Lord, I thank you for, Lord, all that gets done in this place. Help us, please, to be focused on you. God, the Bible says in Colossians chapter 1 that you, Lord Jesus, are the one that's to have the preeminence. Lord, and I pray that, that we would take that to heart tonight and not uh, be focused on all these other things. Lord, help us to be focused on you. I pray that we would take your word and we would genuinely and, and, and practically, Lord, get it a part of our lives. Whether we're reading the pages and flipping them physically. Maybe, maybe we do it digitally. Lord, many people would be like me and listen to a lot of Scripture. And Lord, it may, I pray, God, that you'd help us to get it a part into our lives and make it a part of it, that we get to know you on a very personal level. Lord, about that prayer this morning we were talking about, the prayer of Jabez. And God, the one thing he was known for was being a man of prayer. And I pray, God, that, that we would get serious about this thing, Lord, of worshiping you, following you, getting to know you, and being close. Lord, that as we draw nigh, you would draw nigh unto us. Help us, Lord, to not be distracted. 
Church family, I'm going to ask you to stand.